Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. Welcome back to the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode is the 80th episode of the Sidelines Podcast, and today's featured guest is first-year Louisville head coach Chris Mack. Mack and I had a lengthy conversation where we discussed the transition from Xavier to Louisville. We talked about the challenges of being the head coach at Louisville in the midst of the FBI trial. We talked about his social media use, Louisville's recruiting success, the emergence of Stephen Enoch, and their team in general. Before we get to that conversation, I want to make sure that you are supporting the Sidelines podcast, and the best way for you to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me, leave a rating, leave a review. All those things are very helpful. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. Would love to know what you think of the podcast. My handle for both is at Evan Daniels. Now let's jump to that conversation with first-year Louisville head coach, Chris Mack. It's time to go minimum with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in Louisville head coach Chris Mack to the Sidelines podcast. Chris, how are things? How's life? Life's good, Evan. I appreciate you asking. Yeah, we're, we're moving forward here as basketball season starts. Yeah, I remember last time I had you on, I think it was like late February, maybe early March, and when I tweeted out a link to the podcast, I was in Louisville. So it popped up on Twitter that my location was Louisville, and I tweeted out an interview with you, and this was before you were the head coach of Louisville, and my mentions were on fire from Louisville fans wondering if we had met in Louisville for an interview. So a lot has changed since then. No, you're too big time to actually do interviews in person. You just sort of do those things over the phone. So, uh, you know, I know you're a jet setter, man. You're all over the country. You're traveling from event to event. So uh, I'm just – happy that I can be on the Evan Daniels podcast. Well, it's uh, it's very appreciative. And I want to get into your current team and especially your recruiting success that you've had as of late. But I wanted to talk a little bit about your transition from Xavier to Louisville. And for the first time in nearly 14 years, you're walking a different sideline. And I know you had that red-white scrimmage this past weekend. Did it feel any different being on a different sideline this year? Oh, sure. A lot of things have been different, you know, over these last six months. Living in a new city, you know, dealing with new administrators and, and just a new facility and, and a new route to work. You know, everything's had a newness. But, you know, over the last couple of months, because of the relationships that you know, our staff has built with our current team and their families and, you know, a lot of the help that we've, that we've been given from the administrative administration here, uh, things have become a little bit more routine. Certainly there's, there's a lot of learning uh, that has to be done on both ends. And, you know, on our end as a coaching staff, you know, our players end just trying to figure out a new system uh, on both ends of the floor and a new operating manual, so to speak, from, you know, how we want to practice, how, how we want to travel, just all the things that go into taking over a new position. So it's still basketball, but a lot of new personalities and a lot of things that are different for both sides. What would you say has been the biggest adjustment for you personally? Oh, wow. Uh, just getting to know my team, you know, and, and it's not an adjustment. It's just something that takes takes a lot of time. Right. You know, all of a sudden you're telling, you know, 14 guys uh, what's important that you place an emphasis on, you have a priority for, and and those, you know, your players are learning that for the very first time. And so creating habits, and again, I wouldn't say it's our biggest challenge, but it's probably the most important thing. 
for and, sure. You know, we're getting there. You know, we're getting there. It's just chipping away at that rock. Hopes that one day it'll break, and that's what we're doing every single day with our film sessions to our practice sessions to, you know, when you get into the weeds, the actual drills that we're doing and, and terminology that we're seeking. But we're getting there. Obviously, you had a lot of familiarity with Xavier having had two stints there as an assistant than nine years as a head coach. But you jumped at this opportunity for Louisville in the spring. What made Louisville the right job for you? Because obviously you have a pretty strong affinity for that Xavier program. Yeah, and I think I think too much maybe was made of, you know, Louisville being a better program, you know, than, than Xavier. You know, Xavier was, is near and dear to my heart. It's where I played. You know, it was very difficult for me to leave the city of Cincinnati and a lot of long-lasting relationships. And I not only had when I was there, but I still have. But, you know, for me, it was, you know, I know that Louisville has always been a basketball school. You know, I've always felt like as a head coach at the ACC, you know, having been in it at one point as an assistant coach with Wake Forest, I've always felt like this is the best basketball conference in America. I didn't want to be at a program that, you know, was maybe seen more as a football school. I know some coaches like to sort of be behind the curtain a little bit and let the football program be sort of out in front. But I wanted to be at a place where basketball matters. And because I was when I was at Xavier, it mattered. And it matters here. You know, we have obviously a bigger following because it's a bigger school. And I think in the best conference in America. And for me personally, uh, it was time for, for that next challenge. I know people are going to make more of it and, and try to draw their own conclusions as to why. But that's really the why. It's why I took on the challenge and, you know, really excited to do so. There, there was a lot of talk when, you know, it looked like Louisville's job was going to open that, the Louisville gig was kind of your dream job. I, I guess, one, was that the case? And, and if so, what made it that? I don't know if it was a, a dream job necessarily, but it was certainly a job for all those reasons I stated before that I always felt, what a great place, what, what, a, uh, what a basketball school, what a tradition, what a following, what an arena, and all the things that go into the amenities of the coaching job here. But I wouldn't call it a dream job necessarily because I think coaching basketball, whether I was a Macaulay High School coach, JV girls coach 20 years ago, or whether I'm the head coach at, at Louisville, you know, it beats working for a living. I love coaching the game of basketball. I love being a part of a team. I love leading a team and watching them grow from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And uh, certainly there's a huge responsibility being the ambassador sort of your program, whether it's speaking in alumni events, talking to the media, coaching your guys every day, mentoring them. It's an important role, and it's one that I, I take ultra serious. But, no, it's, I, I think Louisville's always been a great place and really proud to be the head coach here. You didn't take over an easy situation, and obviously that program's been through a lot over the past year or so. How difficult has it been for you and your staff to kind of navigate things while dealing with the after effects of the, the FBI investigation, the NCAA stuff? I'm sure it, it couldn't have been easy. You know, I don't think any situation's ever easy, and I didn't sign up for something to challenges, you know, whether it's, you know, on the court challenges, whether it's the challenges of, you know, tackling or recruiting and maybe the current climate that, you know, that we took over in, but no one said it was going to be easy. You know, I think my own personal experience, Evan, uh, although this is many moons ago, uh, you know, when I was a player, when I transferred from the University of Evansville to Xavier, sat out the whole year like you have to do in residence, practice with the team, wasn't allowed to play in games. You know, the first exhibition game that I was allowed to play in the year I was eligible, I tore my left ACL uh, in my knee. And boom, my second year 
in a row, having to sit out consecutively was really, really tough. I rehab it all the way back, get to the point where I get clearance from the doctor in July prior to my last year of playing, and I blow out my other knee. And I never really had that type of career. You know, my first two years in college were a hell of a lot better than my last three in terms of being an impact player on the court. But little did I know at the time, it sort of set me up for being able to deal with adversity. You know, having people tell you you can't do something. You know, trying to have that, that fighting mentality of, I'm going to prove you wrong. I've really tried to coach that way. And so I sort of approached and wanted to approach the situation here at Louisville really with the same gusto. And again, it hasn't been easy. I credit my coaching staff. Those guys have worked long hours, you know, like a lot of assistant coaches do around the country. They've built some unbelievable relationships with the kids and the families that we've recruited in such a short period of time. And so I give those guys a lot of credit. I feel like I have one of the best coaching staffs in the country. But no, it hasn't been easy, uh, but it's, it's going to be awfully rewarding when we get to that mountain. I'm sure the topic of what happened or what's going on with the NCAA and the FBI stuff has come up from recruits. How have you kind of addressed it? I mean, did you just kind of hit it head on and bring it up before they do? Or it's kind of been your plan of attack with addressing that? Well, it's, it's a concern for some. It's not as, as much of a concern for others. You know, everybody from A to Z, when they're getting recruited, has certain things that are important to the prospect and their family. And do we have to address it? Do we talk about it? Sure. But one of the things I wanted to assure parents of is, is there's so much certainty by the media at times on, you know, what's going to happen, what should happen. And really, quite honestly, nobody knows. Nobody knows what's factual. Nobody knows what ramifications are going to happen. Nobody knows how the NCAA is going to apply, you know, the old rules, the current rules. So I wanted to sell and have sold, along with our coaching staff, the certainties of Louisville basketball. And the certainties are this. You know, we play in the best arena in the country. We play in front of one of the most passionate fan bases in all of college basketball, we are in the best league in America. You know, by any measuring stick, you want to bring out Hall of Fame coaches, national championships, amount of players that get drafted to the NBA, you name it. And I think there's a lot of certainty about Louisville basketball, despite maybe what's always written about in the media here over the last six months. Is that stuff hard for you to pay attention to, especially with that trial going on? I honestly pay more attention to what needs to be fixed on the basketball court right. uh, with our team than, than I worry about all that other stuff. You know, I've, I've assured you know, recruits that Louisville obviously took some very, very positive steps forward. We have an entire new administration. You know, we have new leadership. President's brand new. Our AD's brand new. The entire coaching staff, you know, is brand new. We come from a place that we ran a very, very clean program at Xavier. And so we're going to continue to operate in that same regard here and deal with any type of consequences that come down the chute. But again, I wouldn't have taken the job if I felt like it was going to be an impossibility of it. You can't publicly comment on the players until they sign, but you have a tremendous recruiting class, six commitments already, the number two recruiting class in the country. How relieved are you to know that you have this really good program-building class locked up, ready to go, and we're not even at November yet? Yeah, really relieved. Uh, again, I credit our coaching staff for their hard work and our ability and their ability to sort of identify you know, the, the types of players and people that we want in our program. So, again, you know, it, it wasn't easy. Yeah, but at the same time, I think, uh, again, I think if you're a Louisville basketball fan, you're excited about the future. I know our coaching staff is as well. Every time you get a commitment, you're known to fire off a tweet. And you even did so at uh... – Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I've picked up on that anyways. But um... – 
<laughs> I noticed during your speech at the Louisville basketball tip-off luncheon, you stopped your speech and fired one off. You seem to be one of the first coaches to really buy into to Twitter and, and social media. Is that something you just have fun with? You know, it is, and, and I try not to. Um, you know, I had somebody ask me if I would tweet out a couple things today, you know, in the marketing department. I just – when I first was asked to get a Twitter account by Mario Mercurio back at Xavier, I, I sort of looked at him and said, What's a Twitter account? Like, what is this for? And uh, I, I really I really started to enjoy it, not for the stuff that I was putting out on social media, Evan, but more for the, the news, you know, would, would come to me. You know, I could follow guys like you. I could follow guys, you know, that, that were involved with college basketball and, and find topics that are related to the industry on that, you know, that they came to my phone without having to search them. And because of that, I sort of, you know, became glued to Twitter. And, you know, I don't know why. I just try not to take, you know, things all too serious. There's so much pressure in the job that, that, that I have, that we have, that, you know, I don't want it to be 100% Louisville basketball all the time. You know, I, I want, whether it's, recruits whether it's fans i want them to uh be able to understand who their coach is and sort of what makes you know me tick and and so sometimes it's lighthearted, sometimes it's family it's just sort of whatever pops in my mind i could be watching a Bengals game and be upset with a, a holding call that doesn't you know get called by the officials but um <laughs> that's just sort of who i am and uh i don't know it probably doesn't mean a hill of beans to anybody but that's sort of how i've uh you know come to use Twitter over the last five, six, seven years. Well, it, it seems like the that your program in general has made a bigger effort, uh, really since you've been there, to be active on it. Did you all kind of place an importance on attempting to mold the brand there? Well, I think we have to. You know, make no mistake, uh, you know, the, the footsteps that I'm following, Coach Patino is a Hall of Fame coach. You know, he might be one of the best, if not the best college basketball coach uh, of all time, one of them. And so uh, I recognize that I'm not. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's important that, you know, we get Louisville basketball, uh, the brand that we're trying to create uh, stronger uh, out there nationally. And it resonates with kids. You know, if you're 16 years old or if you're, you know, out to dinner and you're looking at a, at a group of 15 and 16-year-olds that happen to be out at the same time, every one of them is going to be sitting on their phone, Evan. And I don't think it's a good thing, but it's reality. And so it's a way for us to be able to reach, you know, our target audience, you know, kids that, you know, are going to have the ability level to, to play at Louisville. And if they've never heard of Louisville or they don't know that we're in the ACC or that we've, you know, you know, we produced Donovan Mitchell, then I think we're, <laughs> we're putting ourselves in a disadvantage. So we're, we're going to use it as well as we can. And we've hired some people that are really, really smart, you know, in that field and understand how to use it and, you know, how to keep things fresh. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tool that we continue to use moving forward. You, you mentioned Donovan Mitchell. How active have you been, or I don't know if it's a strategic deal or, or what, but trying to get former players involved in the program like a Donovan Mitchell or a Terry Rozier or guys like that? Obviously the most visible guys that you know are alums of the program, but we've tried as a coaching staff to you know, really reach out. You know, I, I know how important that is. These guys built this place. You know, the coaches are great, and they, they did an incredible job pushing the players. But, you know, ultimately it's a player's game. Those guys make the baskets, and they defend it, the baskets. And so uh, I really want to make sure that, that all the local players, you know, whether they played in the, in the 50s or in the 90s or, you know, two years ago, 
always feel like they can come back home, you know, regardless of how well they know our coaching staff. That just takes time. But we're going to try to continue to reach out and make them feel at home. Chris, let's jump into your current team. Your team identity or motto is tough together and unbreakable. Where'd you kind of come up with that and, and what's kind of the mindset behind it? Well, it's not necessarily a motto. It's more, it's more our core values. We try to drill every single day in practice and how we carry ourselves and, and all that we do, whether it's academically or you know, on the basketball court, Evan, to, to be tough. You know, to be to to be somebody that is a good teammate. You know, to be someone that can withstand adversity and be resilient. Yeah, I think ultimately, you know, adversity is coming. You know, every single year, I don't care what team you are, what team you coach, how talented your team is. I think if you're not tough, if you're not mentally tough, and you sort of you wilt under pressure, you're not going to be very successful. I think if you're individualistic and you can't, you know, fight for the guy next to you, I think you're going to, I think your team's going to suffer. And so, you know, those, those are three core values that uh, hopefully over time our, our team uh, continues to embrace and really become. I mentioned you had your, uh, your inner squad scrimmage uh, yesterday at the Yum Center. What was kind of the, the biggest takeaway from you from kind of examining your team? You know, when you watch a film for the first time, for the first scrimmage that you have, you know, like we did yesterday, you just, you start to look at all the, the, the glaring problems that you have. And although I thought our, our, our players tried to play the right way, I thought they shared the ball. You know, I thought we took pretty good care of the basketball. I think we shot it at a fairly high level from distance. There were some things that we have to get a lot better at, and I think uh, our ability to stay, you know, locked in on both ends of the floor wasn't great. You know, some of the things that we we've been working hard on didn't manifest itself on film. So we're going to have to work even harder. We're going to have to show more film. But it was a first step, and I thought there were some guys, uh, particularly VJ King, who really did some some good things. I thought Stevie Enoch, you know, had some really really good moments. But long way to go, that's for sure. When I watched you all practice two weeks ago, I think I walked out of the gym with pretty high praise for Stephen Enoch. I was just impressed with his physicality, and you know, obviously he has all the physical tools. And you know, this is a kid that he's a former top fifty prospect, went to Connecticut, and and never really was productive there. But he seems to be really important to this team, and and maybe because of post depth issues. But could he be the most important guy on this roster? I don't know you don't like sing. I'm sure coaches don't like singling guys out, but it just seems like the role he has is really important to this team. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, he, um, you know, he's a difference maker. He needs to be a difference maker for us to be a really good team. You know, he's extremely agile. He's he's big. Uh, he's athletic. He's got a really good touch. You know, he's not just relegated to within three or five feet of the basket. He can step out. He can hit free throws. So yeah, his play. Uh, his productivity for us has to be really good for us to be really good. And in fairness to Steven, he was a top 50 recruit. He was coming out of high school, you know, you know, highly regarded. Steve was new to the game. I mean, he, he, it's not like he grew up playing from the time he was seven years old to now. So sometimes bigs develop later. But when you add the fact that he started playing basketball at a later age, you know, he's not very instinctive. He has come a long way in the time that we've had him. And, uh, you know, total buy-in from Steve. He's a warrior. He's a very competitive kid. 
So uh, it's been really good to see over the last couple of weeks. He's really asserted himself and stepped forward, and, and we're looking for Steven to have a great year this year. Another kid that I was impressed with was Jordan Orr, and I know he scored 18 points at 11 rebounds in your all scrimmage. Obviously, this is a kid that can really shoot the ball. You know, he shot 40, almost 44% from three last season. He seems primed for a big jump relative to his just under six points a game per average last season. Yeah, Jordan has a boatload of ability. He is so talented, especially on the offensive end. You know, he's never been a guy, in my opinion, that's valued all the little things because he's never really had to because he's always been such a good player without him. But, you know, as I've told him time and time again, if you truly want to become an elite player, the elite players, they do the little things. They, they block out. You know, they understand an angle on a screen. You know, they're, they're ready to catch. Uh, they're ready to shoot the ball. They're in a stance defensively. And, you know, I, I want to get him – to that point he's not there he's got a long way to go i do think he's very very willing but he's explosive in terms of his scoring ability you know he played very inconsistent minutes and as i told him i could see why but for him to shoot you know that percentage that you talked about 44 percent from the three-point line one game playing 20 minutes and the next playing five it really shows my in my opinion his high level ability to shoot the ball that was one of my takeaways when I watched you all practice was shooting ability, not just from him, but Ryan McMahon and a couple other guys on that team. Could that be a, a strength of your all's? I sure hope so. You know, shooting <laughs> it negates a lot of uh, weaknesses at times. You know, it's, it's tough because as a coach, you're always trying to get good offense, run good offense. Sometimes a guy can, you know, bury a three uh, on a terrible possession offensively. So it can really bail you out of some situations. I do think that if we can become a team that prides itself on the offensive end of execution, of the little things, the details, timing, the physicalness to, to screen a body, if we can do those types of things, Evan, and we can put our guys in positions to be successful, I do think we have some guys that can strike it from behind the three-point line. You mentioned you were excited about B.J. King from the scrimmage. What particularly about his play got you excited? Just his assertiveness. You know, I think that V.J. would probably be the first to tell you that you know, his first couple of years were labeled as timid, um, you know, non-aggressive. And he, he's got a ways to go. But I think he's understanding that he can be that type of player. You know, if he's focused on being aggressive, if he's going to the basket on his shots rather than away from, you know, he's got such an ability level because he can score at all different levels. He can get to the rim. You know, he's got a good mid-range game. And when he's ready, he's a good three-point shooter. And so, and that doesn't even take into account where I think he can be a high-level defender because of his length and athleticism on the defensive end. So uh, I really hope he takes a, a step forward. He played really well yesterday in the scrimmage, and we need him to continue that type of play for our team this year. Now we're two weeks away from the season tipping off, and you guys have quite the schedule. Tennessee. Yeah, I need about, I need about two more months. <laughs> you know, we need about two more months before we start tackling this schedule for sure. <laughs> Who, who handled this schedule? Because Tennessee, Kansas or Marquette, Michigan State, Seton Hall, Indiana, Kentucky. This is a uh, – I mean, this is – Probably probably Patino. So, you, you can, everybody's blaming him for everything else. But we can probably throw Patino under the bus on this one as well. But um, he was never afraid to schedule the, uh, the big boys. And, you know, I'd say 95% of the schedule that one was already made really before our staff stepped on campus. So, that's okay. 
You know, Coach Prosser, who I coached with a long time at Xavier and at Wake Forest, used to say you can't sharpen your teeth eating oatmeal. <laughs> and nobody's going to accuse us of eating oatmeal this coming year in the non-conference part of the schedule, that's for sure. No question. Well, Chris, I appreciate you taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. I know you guys are busy uh, prepping for the season, but thank you. Hey, thanks for having me, Evan. This is Aaron Rodgers. They're going to air it out. Rodgers does this better than anybody. End zone, Cobb, touchdown! Unbelievable! The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. And you're listening to The Sidelines with Evan Daniels. I'd like to once again thank Louisville head coach Chris Mack for taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. Enjoyed that conversation. I didn't go too in-depth with Chris Mack about his 2019 recruiting class because he can't really discuss the players per NCAA rules until they've signed national letters of intent. Signing day is not till November 14th, but Louisville currently has six commitments. They picked up uh, their highest-rated pledge last week in Aiden Igihan. This is a kid at 6'10", 220 pounds, ranks number 44 overall in the country and really puts a a bow on their recruiting class. Five guys are four-star prospects based on the 24-7 sports composite rankings. To go with Igihan, Samuel Williamson is a really talented 6'6", wing, ranked number 45 overall in the country. Impressed with his mid-range game, impressed with his upside, the length, the athleticism, the fluidity. He's a really talented prospect. I think David Johnson is another one. Actually have him ranked higher in the top 247 than we do in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. But he's a guy that's versatile, can play multiple guard positions at six foot five, play off it, he can play on it. He's long, he's athletic, he can score. I think he's an improving shooter. Speaking of shooting, Jalen Withers, number 86 overall in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. He's six and can stretch the floor with his jump shot. I think that's the role he fills. Josh Nickelberry, an athlete at six foot four, can score the basketball. And then Quinn Slazinski from Huntington Prep, he's going to redshirt. So they have a six-man recruiting class. All are expected to sign in the early signing period. Like I said, number two overall in the 24-7 sports composite and team rankings. And I mentioned that I thought they did a good job. And one area that I think has flown below the radar is, yes, they got all these kids to commit shortly after official visits. But where Louisville really had some success was getting kids on campus unofficially in June before the important July evaluation periods and you know Samuel Williamson and Aiden Igihan and David Johnson those guys visited unofficially prior to those July evaluation periods and I think that really helped their relationships and helped with their recruiting processes and obviously a very good class as I said number two currently in the 24-7 sports team rankings now I do think once some of these top tier five-star prospects makes decisions that they'll fall a little on the team rankings list but with this many pledges five four-star prospects I'd imagine they'll fall somewhere between four and eight when it's all said and done before I let you guys go I want to make sure you are subscribed and supporting the sidelines podcast and the best way to do that is to shoot over to apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app hit the subscribe button for me leave a rating leave a review both those things are extremely helpful you can also shoot me a note over on twitter or instagram the handle is at evan daniels as always thanks for listening and have a great week